It is very rich. It was very rich being with you for the Q&A today. I wonder if you all got a sense of that or at different times, the richness that's here. In your articulation and your listening and your grappling with questions and the responding And also here right now in the silence. And following from Rob's metaphor about the surfing, What wants to happen now? What's the response now together to the truth of things? More teaching, perhaps? More silence, perhaps? More silence, the teaching that comes in the silence, or the teaching that comes in the words. So I'm curious, actually. I'm curious. <clears throat> so I think I want to get a sense from you. Before I, I don't know how I'm going to get a sense from you, but <laughs> I'm curious what the response is here. What I thought um, I'd love to offer with you tonight, I have some ideas and I have some thoughts, but um, I just want to begin with a short reflection on impermanence, being that that's where we are in the teaching right now. So I'm going to read you the classic verse from the Pali Canon, from the Buddha, at pointing to impermanence as a doorway for deep seeing, which is what you've all been doing. And then I'll, then I'll tell you what I had in mind next. We'll see. So from the, it's from the Diganakaya. Very simple. Then, for him, the faultless, immaculate eye of Dharma arose. Whatever is of the nature to arise, all that is of the nature to cease. And he thereby saw the Dharma attained the Dharma, understood the Dharma, penetrated the Dharma. He crossed over all doubts, dispersed all confusion, achieved self-confidence, and no longer depended on others in the Master's dispensation, in the Master's teaching. Whatever is of the nature to arise, all that is of the nature to cease. 
all that. And he thereby saw the Dhamma, attained the Dhamma, understood the Dhamma, penetrated the Dhamma. He crossed over all doubts, dispersed all confusion, achieved self-confidence and no longer depended on others in the Master's teaching. As Rob began the teaching on impermanence yesterday from the intellectual understanding, which is important, and where that can support us and point us to go deeper with that, deeper and deeper to the cellular and beyond. I want to teach you a verse from the Diamond Sutta, which isn't from the, uh, it's from the Mahayana. And uh, one of my teachers taught this with a short melody, a short chant. And we could chant it together for a few minutes. And before I do... You know how it is with a teaching on impermanence. It, can, it points to many, many things. It can point to the level of loss. Right? What the Buddha's actually also doing is pointing to the wrong view, one of the delusions that we suffer from, which he's supporting us to correct, which is believing that which is impermanent to be permanent. Right? So... And he said, and, and as we've been exploring, turning that lens to anything, including that which is looking, appears to be looking. It also points to the, not just the lack of permanence, that's the kind of negation aspect which supports us to see what is not real and let go of that. It's also pointing to the fact, therefore, that things are moving. Things are moving. Not just out there, in here, that which appears to see it's all moving. It's dynamic. And because it's dynamic, it's shapeable, it's creative, it's transformable. It's transforming, actually. So, as you get the hang of it, please join in if you can, want to. If you have any aversion to chanting, you can watch that part. And if you want to sing your heart out, sing your heart out. Right? You can embellish it as you like. And the words are, you should see this fleeting world, a drop of dew, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream.
And of course, there'd be a little bit where you're getting the hang of it if you want to join in in the words. But when you can, settle back. Settle right back to the deep knowing of all of this. The world. You should see this fleeting world. It doesn't just mean planet Earth. We think of the world. It's not just out there. It's here. world arising moment by moment. See it. See it. And feel free to embellish the chant. Not with your words at this point. So it goes like this. It's a very simple melody. see this fleeting world a drop of dew a bubble on a stream lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream no should see this fleeting world, a drop of dew, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. No, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream no, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream No, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream No, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble 
glistening in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream No, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Oh, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream No, you should see this fleeting world A drop of dew A bubble on a stream
and perhaps your knowing for yourself that as we look into this doorway of impermanence one of the things that gets revealed more and more is what's not true like the things we have taken to be true that are not like whether we were a turtle views we've based our world and life upon and Rob's other question pointed to and what else shows up what else shows up we start to see what's not here very deeply we see what's not here you also might start to get a sense for what is here when we're holding less to the fixed view of self, of things, because we see it changes. And one of the things it makes more room for is more freedom. More freedom, and it depends how you like to use that word. How we might even circumscribe what that means. Often it's termed in terms of freedom from there's a little thing in the front of Guy House. The mission of Guy House is to... I can't remember the exact words, but it's basically freedom to support uh, you all, us all. Freedom from greed, hate and delusion. And that's true. They're the things that bind us, that limit us. Sometimes people frame it in terms of freedom to be themselves, freedom to know what's here when I'm not bound freedom to live one woman on the November retreat she said um, I don't want to get rid of myself I want to be free to be myself That's where her fire was, that's where her light was, that's where her energy was. And what does that mean, actually? What shows up if we're not bound as much in the ties that bind us? The fixed views, the attachment to sense pleasures, the greed, hate, confusion, the adherence to certain ways of seeing things, what shows up? And it may not shout the loudest, that's the thing. It may not call the loudest to us. There's a beautiful Tibetan verse which says, um, underneath the pauper's house, underneath the poor person's house, there are many treasures But the pauper never listens, and the treasures never say, I am here. Secret treasure. And maybe you've got a sense of some of that treasure, maybe in the silence, maybe in the Q&A today, the treasure of us being ourselves. 
the commitment, the love. Maybe some of you could sense that. Maybe you sense different things. The love that's there in that wish to ask questions, to quest. The love that's in the questing. Sometimes a passionate love, sometimes a quiet love. The joy, maybe you sense that in moments when you weren't comparing yourself, right? Because we know where that belongs, the comparing itself, ourself belongs to the, to the bondage. But in the moments when we're not, any of you sense the joy present as each other comes closer to the truth, as we get a little bit more taste for what is true. So kind of rejoicing in that. Like, yeah. Yippee. <laughs> and yippee isn't usually the um, Theravada kind of <laughs> <laughs> expression. Doesn't doesn't mean mean it shouldn't be. Right? But that rejoicing as we or another comes closer to what's true. Our heart loves it. Our heart loves the coming closer to what's true. It's where the joy can show up. Maybe you sense the steadfastness, just that hanging in there, that quality, which doesn't often have as much glamour as the more sparkly qualities. Right? Where many things, this steadfastness, that hanging in there, with ourself, with each other, through thick and thin. The commitment, the dedication, the perseverance. It's all there. And you can start to sense it doesn't always shout the loudest, but it's here for us to enjoy, to know, to support us, to love it, abide, and as a support for going deeper. Many qualities. And maybe have a celebration of qualities at the end. But on the note of the commitment, um, first, before I just go go to that, I just want to... Check where you all are with your energy and your that sort of balancing the surfing between the silence and the um, and the teaching, the verbal teaching. I don't know how I'm going to know that. <laughs> what would you want to know? I think. Thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. Actually, that reminds me of something. <laughs> that that's very interesting. That reminds me of one of the things I was going to speak about. That part, that wish to know what we don't yet know, right? That is also here in the asking of the question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I want to know, do you want to be silent or do you want to hear some teaching? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm lacking the bones. Okay. 
I mean now. Teaching. 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 Okay. Teaching. Okay. Okay. So as soon as I hear that, it's like roll my sleeves up. <laughs> so you can see some of where some of my conditioning is. It's like the, you know, any of you have that with the getting down to practice part? It's like you roll your sleeves up and right here we go. Right? Is that your edge? Can I just make one vote for silence? Okay. Yeah. So how about we hold all of that? All of those wishes, teaching, balance, silence, okay, did you hear that? She said it feels like there's a lot of silence in the way I'm teaching. So here's the interesting thing, is silence, the absence. And yes, sometimes it is. And it's beautiful. And is silence, the presence of. Can it be? Can the words include the silence? will be my endeavor. <laughs> that will be my endeavor. So there was two things, two reflections I wanted to make. One was about commitment and one was about fire. We're right in the middle of the retreat. Yeah, I think I probably, we're probably right in the middle of the retreat. Maybe some of you are counting. <laughs> I remember doing that on a long retreat one. But it's an important time, really important time. Um, it's the, it is the time to deepen from the getting getting here where we can arrive slowly and sensitively end slowly and sensitively perhaps, but right in the middle where the conditions are such to really support the going deep. So a couple of reflections on commitment and you all have it. So, you know, just this is about refining and seeing where you might want to make your push, how that looks and how commitment works, just a little bit. So I found this... Um, um, for, for, for seeing deeply, for liberation, for looking deeply, we actually have to have commitment. There has to be commitment that which stands with, hangs with, stays with, through the rain and the sun, the bits when we love it, the bits when we don't. We need that. And it's something that can be grown, it can be um, cultivated, actually. So here's 
what Martina Navratilova says. <laughs> and she's, she's, if you think about what she was committed to, is very committed. And then look what pays off from that. That's where her commitment went. She said, I'm not, I'm not involved in tennis. So you can translate tennis to Dharma if you like. I'm not involved in tennis, I'm committed. Do you know the difference between involvement and commitment? She said, it's like eggs and bacon. The chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you see how it takes that? <laughs> it seems to take that, doesn't it? So the dipping the toe, it, yes, you get the dipping toe results. You know, you'll be able to hit the ball over the net, maybe. But actually, that that wholehearted and physical giving ourselves to something is very profound, actually. Um, I haven't got the exact normal translation here, it's from memory. But the Buddha, uh, before I say the Buddha, I'll talk about it from Goethe, talking about commitment. It's a very famous passage. You can see how this fits for you. And see how it might apply in this middle of the retreat for you. If something wants to be drawn forth in this quality for for you. On commitment, it's called. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas. But the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help you that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favour all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance which no person could have dreamed would come her way. Whatever you can do or dream, you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. And then the famous resolve from the Buddha when he made his resolve under the tree, the Bodhi tree in Bodhgaya, North India, where He'd explored his two extremes of the worldly extreme and the ascetic extreme and he took the determination to take his seat. The one seat that you are all taking. So when you hear this story, see if you abstract it as that guy two and a half hundred years ago or if you see it in the human sense of what's possible for us even if your commitment doesn't have these exact words to it, right? But your willingness to take your seat 100%.
And it said, he said something like this, I will not move from this spot, though my blood may run dry and my bones turn to dust, until I have understood and realized by human endeavor what it is possible to realize through human endeavor. Watch if your comparing mind comes in. And watch where you know that quality that is willing to sit, to come and sit, when it may not be what you want, actually, in every moment. So with commitment... It doesn't arise if we want to keep all our options open, which is the sort of conventional view of freedom, right? Keep all my options open. Do whatever I want. Commitment actually limits the options, ostensibly, from the outside. Limits the options. kind of a pledging of ourself. Even if we don't know exactly what will transpire, something in us is moved to take that seat. Pledge myself in the walking meditation. I pledge myself. I give myself back in each moment to the foot touching the earth and my intention to look deeply. So if we're committing ourselves to something, and clearly that's here in practice, it's, in that, the words of the Buddha, to the human endeavor. The endeavor, there's an endeavor here. There is an effort to attain, actually. So I'm curious what your relationship to attainment is, to the goal, to however you would frame why you're here, what motivates you. How are you currently seeing that, the motivation? What moves you to take your seat? What do you want? What do you want? And how do you frame and articulate in words what you want here? Because you do want something. If you're sitting here thinking, actually, I don't know what I want you to do, you just may know, not know what it is. Our motivation is critical. Again, in the, one of the Tibetan texts, it says, everything rests on the tip of motivation. Everything rests. Where we start to pledge ourselves, usually based on what we really, truly want, where we pledge ourselves, everything rests on that. So what is it you want? And are there any ways you're limiting what you want? Are there any views about, I can't have what I want?
Are there any views about what freedom looks like? And if so, what are they? And are they helpful? And are they limit or are they limiting? And then as we hold our view of what brings us here and we come to practice and we start to look deeply, how does that intersect? As we see more deeply, how does that intersect with the view we've been holding about what's possible? For example, um, I remember practicing at the old guy house a long time ago. Um, practice is very much, very much like what we're doing here with the impermanence doorway starting to see see the the nature of this and started to realize so there's that knowing that realizing that things aren't as solid as they seem they're changing right they're kind of a flickering ephemeral shimmer display. That was what was being known directly. When the mind took hold of that, it was, oh my God, if things aren't as I thought they were, they're actually this sort of uh, pixelated, uh, changing, flickering set of things then my mind seized hold of that, oh my goodness, it means that freedom is going to look like once I see everything as pixels, and because there was some understanding, but it got seized upon by the mind, some understanding, oh, well, the body isn't what I thought it was if I look at something, the table, the person, myself. It's not what I thought it was. Therefore, freedom is going to be when everybody completely disappears. Right Now, there is a certain truth to that. But the mind takes hold of it, meaning that disappears, you disappear, things disappear, and then we can get very afraid. So it's very, very important to stay very current, very current with the direct experience, and watch where we extrapolate and start to cause new tangles, in a way, new tangles. So what is your deepest, couple of questions, your deepest heart's desire for what's possible for you here? What is it you really want? What is it you really want? What lights your fire to get here on the cushion? What lights your fire? Do you know? And again, it's important to stay really current because it can change over the years of practice. It may not be what it was when we began. In the beginning it might be, you know, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to learn 
sometimes there can be a lot of negative motivations, like I just want to get out of this uncomfortable scenario called myself. All right. And as we stay and we start to understand the nature of self and the construction, and we don't have to be so down on ourself. What motivates you then to get to the cushion? We might know how to get more comfortable. We might indeed know how to get more comfortable, but then what happens? Because it's like the metaphor I gave the other day of the, um, the small child on mother's lap. At a certain point, there has to be a kind of a, an optimal frustration to get off that lap, to get off what was our last view of what was possible for us, to explore what else is possible for us. Enough tension, enough charge to want to go beyond what is already known. So there's the piece where it... Uh, I was prompted from Jane, that desire to know what we don't know, that flame to know not just intellectually but for ourselves, including the head center, but including the heart center, including the belly and the body, to know for ourselves what is not yet known. And our fire. That's not always our motivation, right? You know, if we look at one sitting, it might be. If I, if you, you know, motivation again isn't permanent. Again, it's a flickering, changing thing. And we can train the motivation. We can clarify the motivation. We can cultivate the motivation. For example, in the Tibetan tradition, very good practices to cultivate the motivation that what I'm doing here is in the service of the liberation of all may not be always what we think or really want, but we can start to cultivate that over time. Because if you look at your motivation moment by moment, it's also something changing. Where does your Where is the, the gravity, the center of gravity for your motivation, the kind of the critical mass for you? For example, is it in... I know, I've known for myself different motivations at different times in different moments in different weeks. Sometimes I remember being on a retreat and I didn't realize it at the time because we often don't necessarily know, but the motivation was actually, I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be disturbed anymore. Now that could be beautiful if it's the cultivation of the samadhi in the service of. But that wasn't what it was. It was the cultivation of the samadhi and the boundary and the, excuse me, I don't want to hear anything, I don't want to smell anything, I don't want to think anything. I don't mind feeling a few things if they're nice. But basically that was a motivation for a number of mornings sitting and I would sit really long and think, well, this is good. But actually what the heart's desire there was, was to not be disturbed. And that actually isn't in the service of liberation, right? It's very disturbing, liberation. <laughs> it disturbs us a lot. Right? So if you track your motivation, there's nothing, it's not about right and wrong. It's about where the motivation has a wholesome, bright karma, 
to it and where it has a dulling, thickening karma to it. And you can see it moment by moment. You might notice, you know, like you might feel completely on fire with the Dharma. Your belly is on fire, your heart's on fire, head's on fire. It's like, I love it. I want liberation. And it feels really clear. You're aligned and there's a fire and you come and sit. Yeah, loving the Dharma. And it's got a brightness to it. It's got a bright karmic quality to it, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. Something happens. Oh. Oh, and it starts to close down. The motivation might start to change. Oh. 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 Actually, I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be disturbed. Oh, but I love all beings. I love all beings. It's for all beings. It's for all beings. I love the Dharma. I love the Dharma. And then it can shift moment by moment. Don't disturb me. Don't disturb me. Or, I just want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. Give me the peace and quiet. Peace and quiet. That might have a brightness to it, and it might have a thickening and a closing down to it. See what is the critical mass of our motivation. I might deeply, genuinely want to know that I'm really okay in the world. It's a beautiful motivation. And as we start to sense in, yeah, as we practice more, yeah, it's really okay. It's really okay. It's really okay. We might want to rest there, abide there, bathe there for a bit. And then that charge, that optimal frustration to want to look a little further, to start to want to know what we don't yet know. Because often our fire, our, our, our light can be tied up in all kinds of other things. Right? And that might be fine if that's what you want, but to know where it is, to know where it is so we don't get to the end of our life and wonder what happened. Know where your fire is. Know what moves your heart's desire. Because in a way that's where the commitment goes. Now, I have a couple of brothers who absolutely love Crystal Palace. It's a football team. It's also a tower. It's also a tower. It's also it was a Crystal Palace once upon a time. Right? That's there's, there really is a lot of love there, and there's a lot of commitment there, a lot of energy there, a lot of juice there, a lot of beautiful qualities there that gets cultivated at Selhurst Park, right? And that's where the fire is, and there's no judgment there. It's clear. It's actually very clear, <laughs> right? No, it's not, a, it's not hesitant in any way. And in fact, when I go sometimes with them and you see, wow, now you'll sit down but behind the goal and there's these guys there and some of them have a lot of fire and they wait for Saturday to show it. You can tell, right? And wow, all that fire, all that commitment, really a lot of love in it. Of course, then you get really angry at the other side, but it's you know it's, it has its own limitation. But there's really a lot of quality there. So find out what it is we really love, because that's where our energy goes. Actually, does your fire go in internally to self-judgment? That's a place our fire can go and our light. 
does it go into arguing, contending with the world in a certain way? But that becomes a habit, the, the habit of contention. And contending can be fine, but, but are we clear that we know where our fire is going? Are we clear about it? One of the ways people might describe their commitment, their motivation, is for realization, right? for, for making real, for knowing what is real, for the love of what is real. Maybe you sensed that in the Q&A today. I certainly did, this love that was there for that which is real, that which is true. Realization is then that, pr that negative process of seeing what is not real and letting that shed, as people were talking about today. We're seeing more and more what is not real, the ideas, the views, the opinions that we may have held. So a couple of, couple of poems for you around that. Do any of you sense that? Mm. You may know it, you may recognize it, or you might want to tease it out sometimes. It's not, you know, it's not just about Dharma, it's any, it's, it is about Dharma, small d Dharma. It's about anywhere where we see something that speaks to us of something real, authentic. A couple of people in the interviews talked about um, Actually, I start to see something authentic in me, something real about me. And that's what I love, that's what I really want. A few couple of people have said that. You might see it in certain art or music or someone. Something is real and we're attracted to the real. We love it, actually. Something that is more and more clarified, less and less occlusion. We recognize it, we love it. So this is from Rumi. He said, Inside this new love, die. Your way begins on the other side. Become the sky. Take an axe to the prison wall. Escape. Walk out like someone suddenly born into color. Do it now. You're covered with thick cloud. Slide out the side. Die and be quiet. Quietness is the surest, surest sign that you've died. Your old life was a frantic running from silence. The speechless full moon comes out now. And our motivation and the fire for our motivation can be dissipated 
or we may not know where we're putting it. And very normally and humanly and naturally, it can be engaged in certain aspects of our life that are to do with survival, right? The very sort of animal survival drive that we all have can be that all our fire goes into our social drive, right? Our wish to have each other. can be that all of our fire goes into our sexual drive. Powerful drive has a lot of fire and it can be very beautiful. But right here on this retreat, you're being cooked for. There's heating. You're not seeking for a mate. You mean you might be, but (laughs) that's not the deal. (laughs) It's not the deal. Right? And we're not really hanging out. Of course, we may really love and appreciate each other. But it's not a tea party. And all of that that can be consumed in those realms, which can be important and beautiful at times, here can start to be harnessed, clarified, to the primary motivation. However you describe it, you may first describe it as, I just want to know about calm. Or... I'm curious about emptiness. You may not necessarily uh, sense that and know that place in you that wants to go deeper, that loves the truth, that loves the real, that has an instinctive sense to go beyond what I already know and the limitation of that. But it all plugs in. We can start to harness that energy in the service of what's possible for us every one of us and notice if you start to count yourself out of this like oh well that's for those really you know advanced ones it's human it's possible it's our birthright actually this is from Kabir and here's where yeah a poem from Kabir friend I'll just if you're not familiar with his language the word guest it's like a, you could say truth liberation you can fill in the blank friend hope for the guest while you are alive jump into experience while you are alive think and think while you are alive What you call salvation belongs to the time before death. If you don't break your ropes while you're alive, do you think ghosts will do it after? The idea that the soul will join with the ecstatic just because the body is rotten, that is all fantasy. What is found now is found then. If you find nothing now, you will simply end up with an apartment in the city of death. If you make love with the divine now, in the next life you will have the face of satisfied desire. So plunge into the truth. Find out who the teacher is. Hear the great sound. Mm. 